find music that scratches an itch and you just got to keep playing it. Well, and just, I, you know, in discovering a new band, I have like 10 years of backlog Mm -hmm. and then they come out with new music every like year or like six months or so, even if they're just covers. And I'm just like, wait, 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 time out, back up. When did this happen? Yeah. That, did you did you just push those turtles tapes in when you were sitting back down? My butt might have oh. pushed those in. I was staring at them before, and I was just like, "Oh, those are so like perfectly edged. Look at her little like librarian <laughs> heart in in the basement here." Uh, and then just now, I looked at it. I was like, "Oh God, did Slender Man go out of the thing and push them in?" Um, Sorry, I didn't mean to interrupt your thought. That's. Uh, my husband actually edged all of these uh that's a lad movies uh but as you can see like from my bookshelves over there my my books are the the paperbacks and stuff that haven't been like disturbed are like perfectly yeah they're perfectly in alphabetical order by author and then in series order because most of them are a part of a series and then uh, my nonfiction ones are in rough Dewey order, uh-huh. <laughs> and then uh, my fiction ones are in order by author. Hardback fiction is in order by author, or if it's like a compendium, in order by like title, interfiled. So yeah, for everyone not connected to library life. Edging is not like the sexy time thing. <laughs> no. It's just when like the materials are lined up with the edge of the shelf. So not like pushed back to display all your like tchotchkes and Funko Pops on your bookshelf in front of them lined up with the edge. <laughs> yes, which makes it easier for browsing purposes because you can actually see what's on the shelf. And if you want to watch, I don't know, one of the VHS tapes like Low Blow, uh, which I have seen in that was a fun movie to watch mm. was it the best movie i've ever seen no but was it a good time yes have you this ever is... seen this is a very different movie but it's nearly the same title have you ever seen blow up no <laughs> i have not it's like a. I didn't really think of it as like a horror movie but i just saw that it was listed on like a list of horror movies it's from like the 60s or 70s and it's like a photographer who takes a picture and like finds that he has a picture of like a murder in the background it's like the 1960s version of like enhance 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 because he keeps blowing up the photo yes and he's like running around taking pictures like like in a way that you would not get a good shot ever and i just when um when i was hanging out with co-worker scissor hands i almost called him cigar hands (laughs) (laughs) i'm co-worker cigar hands uh, when I was hanging out with him, like back around the holidays, he was like, "I just watched this movie where this guy was running around like this." I was like, "Wait, was it was it this movie?" He's like, How do you know about that movie? It's like that's the only movie where someone has ever done that. <laughs> I uh, on my list of mo- like movies that are older that I want to see, Peeping Tom is on there, uh, which is also, uh, I don't know what is. I don't know what is happening. <laughs> I think your tater tot has a jackhammer. <laughs> Maybe. Maybe. Um anyways, Low Blow is a uh like martial arts movie. Um uh, <laughs> hence Low Blow. There is a scene 
that we're pretty sure somebody instead of I don't want to give it away, but we're cake is involved as a special effect and it it is wild. It is the wildest like thing I've ever seen for oh boy. But yeah, uh in terms of I want to see Peeping Tom because I've like heard things about it like I feel like I should see it but then I always get like oh man this is gonna be so wild to watch and like I felt that way about the movie Blood Feast because I kept finding like they're like this movie is gonna be so bloody and it's so disgusting it was like banned when it first came out and then I watched it with my husband and we were both like he didn't want to watch it by the way he was like that looks like it's gonna be terrible and I was like no I heard it's really gory and blow and I was like my idea of what gore is and the 1960s version of what gore are two different levels of gore and it was just it was not worth the sitting of an hour and a half unfortunately (laughs) where we were just like oh god what is why is this happening uh but yeah these are all nice to nice to view and nice to pull off the shelf because they're all on the sitting on the edge of it Next to dead Chucky. Next to dead Chucky. Does he have suction cups on his he feet? He does. He, uh, that's a promotional. Uh, b- back in the day for Child's Play, they made like promotion. You know how like you had like stick them on like car window like things like Alf and stuff like mm. that. That's what that is. It's like a stick them on Chucky. So uh, that you could be driving down the highway and turn and see Chucky like. Yeah. Yeah. That. Yeah. That Chucky, his face is terrifying, by the way, because it's like an angry Chucky face. Um, and my dog also, he is <laughs> <laughs> terrifying. Um, my dog got a hold of him, which is why his hand is a little in rough shape. Well, no wonder he's angry. Yeah. yeah. But then on top of that, you, we have, you know, we have Chucky in the box yeah. and he's like very poseable and... When my husband and I didn't live together, he used to take him out of the box and pose him around his room, and that I hated it. I, I was like, I don't want to spend the night at um, your house. It's your tater tot is infinitely cuter than Chucky, but I have seen them make that face yeah. exactly I know. before. <laughs> yeah, I know. It it is not not <laughs> lost on me. The connection has been made. You're gonna wake up in the middle of the night to just. <laughs> next year bed and you're gonna be like ah! oh god okay <laughs> all right let's go back to bed and they're gonna go mommy <laughs> i love the full evolution from m- mama to mommy and dada to daddy i heard both of them very clearly mm-hmm. and bubba to bubby uh-huh mm-hmm. yeah that just happened over the past like week and a half wow so yep they're, they Tomorrow also they'll be going to college. <laughs> we'll be eighty five. Uh, they also were playing, and they have like a Playmobil pizza, and they put it, they put it in. I have like one of those salt, the pink Himalayan salt candle, and they put it in there because it's circular and that's a little circular hole. They also threw fire on top of it, <laughs> and I was like, "You are not even two. And you are so smart. Yeah. You are so smart. How do you know? How do you? I said, oh, you're baking that in your oven? And yeah, I'm like, how do you know that? How do you know that? If you just watched mommy bake a lot of cookies and pizza, I guess. Or like um, on on 
like a Paw Patrol or something. Possibly. Yes. Yes. I'm just. Yeah. Toddlers are little sponges. They really do pick up a lot of stuff. It's scary how fast their synapses are firing and connecting. And I'm like, here I am in my 30s going, ugh, my brain is soup. 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 Good soup. So, hello. Welcome to the Lake Erie <laughs> Library. <laughs> oh, I was going to tell you about my the playlist. We started off talking about oh, music again. Yeah, let's the, talk about playlists. Well, just this one, because I don't. they don't need to hear us talk about playlists for like forever again. Oh, God, I just hit my microphone. No, but the, the one that I, not the 90s lesbian road trip one, but the 1997 hits one. I just, 1997 is the best year that's happened in the time that I've been alive, in my opinion, pop culture wise, a lot of bad shit happened in 1997. But yeah, I, I mean, I was a child. I don't remember, but I do remember a lot of the pop culture stuff. But like all of like the movies and music and like cultural phenomena that happened that year are like clearly like the formative year in my lifetime so I'm always just like mm, no I need to go to my safe space I need to go to 1997 <laughs> I'm just thinking about I just saw like a meme it was like scientists in the 90s we're gonna clone a sheep we're gonna do this and then they're like scientists now for the last time the earth is round oh god so I'm I am a big TTRPG D&D type of nerd person, and um, I love Critical Role. I don't care if you have feelings about it. I am not willing to listen to them right now. But their current campaign involves like people going to a moon, and um, the planet that everyone is from is stuck in a specific position so that it is not rotating from the perspective of the moon and one of the characters it is it started as a joke because the actor who plays that character um likes to like shit stir things and like rile people up and so their character is like it's like they're a cleric and they are like a little robot who has like a little southern accent like this and it's just like well hi hi everybody i could help you <laughs> and um they are convinced that the earth is flat and it is like pissing off the rest of like the the people who are playing and the dm keeps like immediately being like rocks fall everyone dies like i'm done with this stop doing this we're not going down this route but, like, everyone on the internet collectively made this connection when that was stated during, like, one of the more recent episodes. And they're like, oh, my God, FCG is going to, like, use that as proof that the Earth is flat. They're going to be convinced forever because it's not moving. Uh, yeah, I had to tell uh, Buddy, the elf co-worker, we were talking about censorship in books and, like, what a library's role is in ordering books. And I said, you know, like I get, I get the idea in librarianship that we have books that host multiple viewpoints, right? Like I used to order politic books, like, you know, you, you don't order just one side of the political spectrum. You order a lot of different sides. I said, but I put my foot down when our other 
job is to give people the best information possible. And I'm like, and now they let people publish anything. And I said, like, there's scientific books. I said that in air quotes. (laughs) Uh, That, you know, the earth is flat. And they're like, what? (laughs) And I said, yes, they think there are people out there who think the earth is flat. And that blew their minds. They had not heard about that. And I said, I'm sorry that you haven't heard about that. But I said, unfortunately, people believe that and they want books about it. But I feel strongly in ethics and information that like we should not have books about that because that's perpetuating misinformation. And like, yes, I agree we should have all sides. But I'm like, I can't. You've got to verify your sources. And I can't verify that. And then we were talking about, uh, uh, like, you know, Holocaust denial books, which we were, you know, yeah, those shouldn't exist either. And, like, I said, well, there's also people who believe, like, Nazis are good. And because, you know, we always joke that they're a time traveler. They, I think they have some sort of, like, just connection to World War Two, And they're like, Nazis are terrible. I'm like, that's I, right, they are. I think family also has a lot of like military service members and and i think she probably has like like probably like a great grandpa's uniforms or something like that from that era yeah because they're an archival sort of archival specialist out of library Mm -hmm. school so but yes i just thought that was funny that we had to talk about like flat earth and i had to explain that that was like a concept that people believe in dear sheltered sweet summer child there are a lot of fucking idiots out there (laughs) yes you know that's not to say are there secrets in the world that maybe there's people with more power that know these things and we don't as like just regular joe schmo citizens yeah like i that's true too Is there things that I think would just cosmically blow my mind about the universe if I found them out? Probably. Um, My general view on things like that is that much like my friend Kate, who in college, if you scooted your chair and it made a fart sound (laughs) and you tried to say like, no, that was the chair before you even finish your sentence, she would yell, replicate it. And if you couldn't make the same sound again, she'd be like, you farted! And would tell everyone, and I thought it was hysterical. Much that same energy, if someone's just like, mm-mm, the earth is flat, They're, you're a sheep, they want to, they, the moon landing was faked in a studio in California, the government wants you to believe that, then my response is, prove it! Where's your scientific evidence? Show me right now. <laughs> So, yeah, I mean, as I said, I definitely there are secrets of the universe that I think there are things that we, the public, are not privy to that the government knows. Um, I also think that, you know, there's things that have been declassified. And I think this is also... Men's declassified school survival guide. This is a nice segue into what we're about to talk about, which is the Air Force's official study of ufos and extraterrestrial life that was based out of wright patterson air force base so if you're tuning in from last week this is just almost a part two to two two uh almost a part two of that of that thank you (laughs) and um 
kind of diving deeper into the UFO side of things for Wright-Patterson Air Force Base, it was hard. I had a hard time last time we recorded. I had a hard time not talking about Project Blue Book because in my mind, it's just kind of they're very interwoven. I honestly thought we were just going to kind of like leave them together and like find a halfway point and stop it and then continue it. But I like that it's a separate thing. Yeah, I try. I was yeah. I tried hard, and I was like, I don't it's have probably because I went on a rant about how I don't like to connect things the other day, and it stuck in Beth's mind because I'm like, my neural spicy brain likes things clearly separated. I'm, listen, I'm just trying to be cognizant and aware and helpful for people, so as much as I can. Hmm. <laughs> There's no helping me. <laughs> So yeah, today we're going to talk about Project Blue Book, and we're going to take a deep dive into kind of the, see, and see, like, what the military came out and found, and kind of what the implications are from that, and uh, I also, I will say that all of this information, as a preface, all this information that they headquartered at Wright-Patterson is no longer at Wright-Patterson. I think that's somebody's car outside. Is that what you're hearing? Yeah, I hear something vibrating. Yeah, it's like there's somebody that has a muffler that's like far too loud on our street. It sounded like a phone like hitting a text message. Oh. That's why I was like, what's happening? Okay. Not today. Sorry. It's all right. I threw off your groove. <laughs> threw off my groove. Um, so yeah, put on your molder and your scully hats and uh They don't wear hats, Beth. They wear suits. Put on your well. Out of us, who's Mulder and who's Scully? Mm. Um, I think you are far more pragmatic than I am, and by <laughs> by that alone, you are probably the Scully. That's fair. I think that's really fair. And like, I usually, if we read spooky stuff, I'm like, I want to know the background. I want to know what did they see. Like, how do we test this? And I'm more, I'm far more likely to be the one that, like, not to say that Beth doesn't go on deep dives, but I'm far more likely to be the one that was just like, hey, so I was watching this one thing last night, and it made me think about this other thing, and 12 hours later, I have um, created this, like, daisy chain of gingerbread men connections to this other thing that I'm far too deep in now, and someone needs to pull me back and rein me in. Pepe Sylvia, yes. where are you at? Yes. <laughs> Uh, 100, 100%. Just like, oh, how are you today, Britta? Exsanguination. <laughs> what, a, what about it? Sorry, I've been thinking about cows. What? <laughs> you know, how the aliens come down and they get the cows and they're exsanguinated. Anyway, get in the car. We're going to go out to Oberlin. <laughs> if aliens were going to ever visit uh, a college town in Ohio... I mean, either them or either Oberlin or Athens would be a like very good 50 50. They're, they're both not coming here to go to a college town. If aliens are coming anywhere in Northeast Ohio, they're going to fucking Parma. <laughs> I think they do a pit stop at Lake Erie on the way, too, because again, we have Ohio is so unique with their, our freshwater status. Mm. Makes sense. Um, but, anyways, yeah, put on your. Put on your FBI little power suits. I, I guess I'll grab a red wig. We're going to dive in 
and uh, talk about Project Blue Book and kind of, again, the implications of that amongst uh, the implications of that amongst UFO research and kind of how that information has spread and where it is now. As I was saying, it's no longer at Wright-Patterson. It is now actually in the National Archives. So, but you can visit and like look at it. It was declassified pretty shortly after the project was done. So, Project Blue Book, whenever I hear that, I think of um, like the testing booklets that we used to have to use in high school. That's when exactly you had to fill, why it's called when that. you had to fill in the little bubbles. And I always think of like Scantron sheets then. Yeah. Well, that's exactly in what it's this essay. That. I will discuss the alien life forms found in the crashed UFO in Roswell. So, uh, yeah, uh, Project Blue Book was actually called Project Blue Book because this was not the first time that the U.S. Air Force was studying kind of UFOs. Uh, this was like their third attempt on studying UFOs. So they called it Project Blue Book just as a small like introduction to to give it kind of an air of seriousness. So when you think blue books, you think of testing, right? And you're thinking like usually college exams and stuff like that. And when you have those, like these are like your final answers and stuff and you're getting tested on them. So they wanted it to give it a little bit of an air of as I said, seriousness, academic kind of achievement type thing, like that people would take this seriously. So prior to prior to Project Blue Book, they first started with uh, Project Sign. And Project Sign was first initiated at the end of 1947, following many publicized UFO reports. <coughs> Roswell. <coughs> So Project Sign was initiated specifically at the request of General Nathan Twining, chief of the Air Force Material Command at Wright-Patterson Air Force Base. So Wright-Patterson was home to Project Sign and as well as like other official U.S. Air Force and special investigations. Project Sign did not last very long. It was actually officially considered inconclusive in regarding to the cause of the sightings. According to U.S. Air Force Captain Edward J. Ruppelt, who is the first pro- first director of Project Blue Book, signs initial intelligence estimate, uh, which was written in the summer of 1948, concluded that the flying saucers were real craft not made by either the Soviet Union or United States and were likely extraterrestrial in origin. So they were, like, not, like, the, they were not super happy with this, like, because at the time, so you have to remember, so, you know, you have to remember at the time, like, this was post-World post War II, um, and while, like, we had that victory, the United States is going through its industrial boom, we're going through, like, the baby boom with the expansion of that, you have these military men who are at home who now have day jobs, and they're, like, either finishing out their military career, or they're, like, you know considered valid witnesses to these things but you also have that heightened with the paranoia of the cold war so the cold war paranoia is happening at the same time as this so the u.s air force started project sign is just kind of like 
you know, let's take a crack at it. Let's see. And then when they're like, yeah, extraterrestrials, they're like, shit. Hmm. Like, that that's not going to fly. We can't just tell people that there's extraterrestrials <laughs> flying around. Like, we can't. That's not going to fly. Just let us know. This was rejected by uh, Glenn General Hoyt Van Vandenberg, who was the chief of staff of the U.S. Air Force. He was like, there's no physical proof. Uh, he then afterwards dismantled Project Sign. He's like, we're done with this. So, as I said, they didn't, they were like, that doesn't count. Like, we don't want aliens existing. Like, we don't want to upset people like this. So, after that, Project Sign was then ended in 48, but then they started a new project, which is my favorite of all the titles because I think it sounds cool Project Grudge. <laughs> it just sounds. I- it's not, but it like there's like an implied. Oh, I, yeah, I guess I can see your yes. There is an implied like we're not gonna take this seriously. We're gonna fucking get those aliens. How dare you come to Earth? This is our property. We're gonna take you right out of the space system. I just I don't know. I just like the way it sounds. Like I'm like Project Grudge. Like it sounds very military bratty to me and i'm like yeah that sounds like what i would write in like my notes app when someone upset me and i'm just like i just get all my thoughts out project crunch i'm gonna fart on their chair like (laughs) i'm gonna lick their lunch (laughs) oh god you know i was thinking about from last episode when you were discussing the space pancakes and the uh-huh. guy like straight up eating it Pan and like <laughs> I'm I was just thinking about the fact that like the guy ate these space pancakes we don't know what those were made of I mean I hope they tested them if they had them at the right pat you know air force base and like tested a part of it and I was like this was made out of this but like we gave those aliens water right I'm like how they were banking on like that water being compatible with their bodies, you know, again, like and the bacteria and stuff like that like in the water. We, like we mentioned, I feel like they don't just like accidentally land here on right, Earth. Like, right. They clearly know about Earth. So they've probably like at that point in like technology from their perspective, they're like, oh, we're good. Like we're good on that planet suitable not that planet that one will kill us with their micro whatever in the air like i just i yeah i guess that's i just feel like they were like ah yes what you call water perfectly fine for us i guess i need it read pancakes are dry too many uh sci-fi move like thinking like alien or like like, war of the world those sci-fi things are like how do we kill the aliens? Right. Well, the humans just, have to win. So, of course, they're going to come up with, like, yes, this is in the realm of something we can do to stop them. It's not us. It's their own bodies undoing them because we're fucked if aliens come up against us technology-wise. So that's just humans trying to talk themselves into a place of peace mentally. That's not, like, science. Right. <laughs> I guess I just... That's in the background of my brain, and then I just... uh. Uh, in a 
a weird small aside and deep dive. So obviously I was getting over uh, a cold sinus infection thing and I've been using a neti pot this week, which if you guys have ever used a neti pot, it's essentially just a plastic teapot that you pour distilled water in with like saline solution, which is just like, you know, a salt salt solution. And you like lean over the sink and you pour it through, you pour the spout, you put it in one nostril, you lean over and then the water, because of the way our noses are built, the water goes up through your cavities and then like is supposed to dispel gunk and like it goes in the sink. It's, and then you like, take it off and then you can like blow your nose because you've essentially just saline rinsed gently saline rinsed your nose well so i a couple of times have been lazy and used tap water and then i was reading a thing on twitter about amoeba brain amoebas that eat your brain and i panicked and i was like oh my god and so then i haven't done that since like it's been a while but like once you read about brain amoebas, you can't unread about brain amoebas. Uh, I feel like you're more likely to just get like another infection than like a brain amoeba. It's from fair, tap but I just I, true. I can't unread it now. It's and now since it, we're talking about government conspiracies, there is that like high alert out right now that like China is like planning or not. Maybe it's not China. Oh God! Now I'm spreading propaganda. <laughs> that there was like a an alert that like. Somebody brought up one of our patrons. I was like, "Did you see this?" Adopted grandpa was like, "Did you see this?" Oh, and it was like military uh, officials and like Department of Security was just like, "Yeah, like we fully expect like another country to be targeting like our water treatment facilities." I think it was China because there's like a little bit of like a land grab situation possibly happening with them. but yeah, they're like, don't be surprised if like, you know, these like they're like the computer systems at water treatment facilities get hacked anytime soon because like we have reports of that being something that other countries are looking into. Cool. So I'm like, oh, no, we're going to have poo water. <laughs> so I uh, did. I've boiled a lot of water mm-hmm. the past week and uh, I have always thought that warmer water, but I don't know, like for some reason taking trying to wait for boiled water to cool down enough to be it's never cool enough for your nose like you're like it's fine i'm like yeah it's fine to drink it's gonna burn your nose so you know not only am i like psychologically like waterboarding myself and i have to like not think about it i have to like look at a faraway place in the sink but then like on you have top to of go that, to your 1997 yeah <laughs> but then like on top of that i have to like I'm like, oh god, that's too hot. That's too hot. Um, and then I just tried it for the first time with room temperature water, and I was like, oh wait, this is kind of pleasant. I can breathe now. Oh my god, wait, is this how I was supposed to do it? The in- and then I read the instructions on the box, and I went, oh, I am so dumb. Why didn't I read these to begin with? I just kind of went with it. Oh my god. And, like, I have family members that use a neti pot on a regular basis, and I'm like, I've never spoken about that. And now they're going to listen to this podcast and go, Beth, you are so dumb sometimes. Well, we love you, <laughs> but what are you doing? Uh, <laughs> <laughs> big aside, 
I'm not even sure where I was connecting that with now. Just, your brain did a Brita. Your brain did a Brita. Got all the way onto Project Grudge now. It's fine, because as soon as you brought up Roswell again, I was like, oh, God, that was such a great show. <laughs> and I don't know if you saw me, but I like had the Wikipedia pulled up on my phone a couple minutes ago. And I was like, oh, I remember that episode. Did, wait, did I ever tell you uh, one of the... I don't have a lot of uh vhs tapes here oh i have a lot of vhs tapes i don't have a lot of like home vhs tapes here but one of the ones i do is a fourth grade research project i did where i interviewed a zookeeper and me and my husband sat and walked because we're like wait a minute this is just like the first 10 minutes or half hour of the thing what's on the rest of this and it was old reruns of roswell and er (laughs) (sighs) or not reruns they would have been like New. New. Because we grew up in the era where there wasn't streaming, so you didn't get reruns unless it was the summertime. Yeah, so it was so a, if you weren't there to watch it live, you needed to record it. And I like said something to my dad. I was like, Dad, why did you put my project on <laughs> one of your tapes for Roswell? He's like, how do you think we got to watch any TV at all? We had way too many kids. Like, there was no time to watch TV at the designated time slot. Roswell had the best theme song, too. I obviously was not old enough to watch Roswell was, at the time. It was a Dido song. Oh. Is that like, I can't go, <laughs> I won't sleep until you're resting here with me. Okay, I know that Dido song. Yeah. That's in Love Actually. I won't go. Anyways. Uh, so Project Sign was then succeeded by Project Grudge which was criticized for having a debunking mandate. So essentially when Project Grudge, like you said, was created, they were like, yeah, no, you need to make sure that you can debunk anything that you find. This is just every season of the X-Files when somebody comes in and is like, we're shutting down the X-Files. You've gone too far this time, Mulder. And then like Skinner's just like, all right, I got to split you two up. And, like, put Scully with someone else and Mulder with someone else. And, like, Mulder's just, like, miserable because he's got to do, like, normal government job shit. (laughs) And, like, they won't let him talk about aliens. And he's just supposed to, like, do the boring paperwork part. Uh, um, So, Ruppelt referred to the era of Project Grudge. Project Grudge as the dark ages of early uh, oh, U.S. Right. Air Force U.S. UFO investigate, which is kind of rich. He's like bangs on his eyes. It's not a phase. You don't understand uh, me. So Grudge concluded that all UFOs were natural phenomena or other misinterpretations. Of course they did because it was a debunking thing. Although it stated that 23% of the reports could not be explained. So then. So what do they do with those? Just hide them? No, they just like that's how they leave it. Like it's just like when you like it, it's just like, you know, when we get information and we have questions uh in our industry and we're like, "So, okay, but what about this?" And they're like, "That's just how it is." And that's how they left it. They're like, "23% are unexplained. That's just how it is." Interesting. Um so then so then they decided, uh, according to Captain Edward J. Ruppelt, at the end of 1951, several, uh, several high-ranking U.S. Uh, Air Force generals were really dissatisfied with the state of the Air Force UFO investigations that they dismantled Project Grudge. And then they're like, all right, this is like for real. We're going to like be 
very serious about this. We're not just going to debunk it. We're really going to study these. We're really going to like try to explain this 23% because especially like by that time, the things that they were reporting, like the people that were reporting it were U.S. Air Force, like part of the military. They're pilots. They're, they're people that have been trained and they're like veterans from World War II and they've like been to Korea and they like have this knowledge, right? These are not people that in any other sense of stuff, you would not be discrediting what they've seen. Like they know what a dogfight is. They know what like this like fire looks like. And then they're seeing things in the sky that they literally cannot explain. And so then you're like discrediting these people and making them look like they're, you know, mentally unwell. Like, you know, like you're doing this to people that are working for you. So they're like, no, 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 we're not happy with this. Let's do Project Blue Book. So they started that in March 1952. Uh, one of the men that started it was General Charles P. Cabell. Um, another important change was when General William Garland joined Cabell's staff. Garland thought the UFO question deserved serious scrutiny because he had witnessed himself a UFO. So this, I always connect like this stuff to Twin Peaks because obviously I'm a Twin Peaks fan, but in the second season of Twin Peaks, they actually, that's a whole storyline. So you had the who killed Laura Palmer, but then David Lynch is like, let's go another direction. And same with Mark Frost. They're like, let's let's expand this universe. Let's make let's do some alien stuff in it. And then they canceled it after second <laughs> second season, so they didn't get to go very far with it. Uh, and then with the revival, it 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 I still I have to rewatch that. I I watched it the first way through, and I'm like, I have questions. It's David Lynch. I like I took it in for the experience. I did not take it in for the actual continuity. I I have questions. Anyways, so they named it Project Blue Book, again, after the blue booklets that you guys may know of. And then they, afterwards, uh, they created the Aerial Phenomenon branch uh, within the Air Force. So Ruppelt was the first to head this project for Project Blue Book. He was an experienced airman. He was decorated for his efforts with the Army Air Corps during World War II and also earned an aeronautics degree. He officially coined the term unidentified flying object to replace the many terms flying saucer, flying disc, and so on the military had previously used. Rootpelt felt that unidentified flying object was a much more neutral and accurate term. Uh, he resigned from the Air Force some years later and then wrote the book The Report on Unidentified Flying Objects, which described a study of UFOs by the Air Force from 1947 to 55. Um, scientist Michael D. Swartz wrote that Ruppelt would lead the last genuine effort to analyze UFOs. So what I'm telling you is things start to go downhill. Mm -hmm. <laughs> um, he implemented, like, as I said, they're trying to take this seriously. So Ruppelt's like, all right, we're going to fix this. We're going to streamline the matter of how UFOs are going to be reported by to and by military officials to alleviate the stigma and ridicule associated with UFO witnesses. So just picture this again. You're like a military dude and you're going to your officer and then your officer is essentially like making you feel like an asshole mm -hmm. that you're like, hey, I was in the air and I saw like 
I'm pretty sure I saw a flying saucer and it moved right in front of me. And then I did like a barrel roll and it moved up. It moved away that it should not have moved up on mm -hmm. God's green earth. And then you get told like, no, it must have been your PTSD from World War II acting up again. Right. You're grounded for a few weeks. Clearly you're overtired and you're not taking your required hours off. <laughs> like, so... He implemented uh, that. He developed a questionnaire for witnesses, hoping to uncover data that could be subject to statistical analysis. He commissioned the, the Battelle Memorial Institute to create the questionnaire and computerize the data. I can't imagine how big that computer was, like the size of a, my basement. Yeah, like the, the whole wall-sized ones again. They used to print out like the tiny little receipt of information, <laughs> like a ticker tape. So then they created a statistical study of all U.S. Air Force uh, UFO cases completed in 1954 known as Project Blue Book Special Report Number 14. So he said knowing that factualism had harmed the progress of Project Sign, he did his best to avoid the kinds of open-ended speculation that had led to science personnel being split among advocates and critics of the extraterrestrial hypothesis. Rupelt not only took the job seriously, but he expected his staff to do so as well. If anyone under him either became too skeptical or too convinced of mm -hmm. one particular theory, they soon found themselves off the project. So they were neither Mulder nor Scully. They were a combination of both. <laughs> they were Doggett. <laughs> no, Doggett sucked. They they just they weren't allowed to be too skeptical, but they weren't allowed to be a true believer either. Don't get excited. But believe a little bit. <laughs> <laughs> so then uh, he sought the advice of many scientists and experts and issued regular press releases. So this guy, like, Rupert's, like, really taking this seriously. Like, he's really trying to make Project Blue Book the best explanation possible. So each U.S. Air Force base had a Blue Book officer to collect UFO reports and report them to Ruppelt. So he was based in Ohio again. And then most of Ruppelt's tenure, he and his team were authorized to interview any and all military personnel who witnessed UFOs and were not required to follow the chain of command. Uh, this unprecedented authority underlined the seriousness of Blue Book's investigation. So under his direction... It investigated, like Project Blue Book investigated a lot of UFO cases that are well known, such as the Lubbock Lights, uh, widely publicized 1952. Is that Lubbock? Lubbock, yep, yep. Uh, the 1952 radar, radar and visual case over Washington, D.C. He started the trend later followed by Blue Book investigations of not giving serious consideration to numerous UFO reports of ufo landings and or interaction with purported ufo occupants so he 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 did a lot of stuff that was in the sky but he was like if it lands we'll see like he he was a little skeptical of that astronomer j allen hynek was the scientific consultant of the project so they actually use him he has a major role like in the uh tv show mm. and in the show they essentially tell him like get-go episode one so this is not like a spoiler for anybody like you're gonna see some stuff but it's all weather balloons like you're right you're declassifying like you're because he he's the one that debunked the niagara fall one right that he's like no it's a reflection 
I think so. Well, he's an instruct. I don't know. I would have to look. I just up. remember he because he was tied in with like the Robertson report, which I know because that is that was essentially like in the fifties um, when they were like, "Hey, like people are getting super paranoid about UFOs. This is the Cold War." we're less worried about aliens than we are about people just going bonkers. <laughs> and so I just remember they they pitched the idea of having Walt Disney Studios create like films to teach the public to be less gullible because oh, they were yes. afraid that like Russia, the like Soviets would like use UFOs to create mass hysteria. Yes. yes. Yeah. Yeah, well uh, yes, they they eventually I just know do his that name. I just know his name from that because he was like the Robertson panel when it met. He was part of it. Yeah, they eventually will do that because uh, of what happens at the end of Project Blue Book. So, um, again, so he worked for the project up to its termination and initially created the categorization, which had been extended and is known today as Close, en- close Encounters. He was a pronounced skeptic when he started, but he said that his feelings started to uh, change to a more wavering skepticism during the research after encountering a minority of UFO reports that he thought were unexplainable. Interesting. Unfortunately, Ruppelt left in 1953 for a temporary reassignment. He returned a few months later to find his staff reduced uh, from more than 10 to two subordinates. So he had a huge staff to two. This is literally the X Files. <laughs> so he was frustrated, and he was like, "Hey, um, I like what the heck?" And then he suggested that an air um, air defense command unit be charged with UFOs investigation. So then, yes, then they had the Robertson panel. Um, so after there was a buildup of hundreds of sightings. Um, the CIA actually established the panel of scientists uh, headed by H.P. Robertson, who was a physicist at the time of the California Institute of Technology, as well as other, Caltech. as well as like Hynek. Um, and they met in 1953 to formulate a response to overwhelming public interest in UFOs. So their final report, they stressed that low grade, unvariable, unverifiable ufo reports were overloading intelligence channels and the risk of missing a genuine conventional threat to the u.s was like greater than like these ufo yeah, sightings it was straight up the equivalent of people being like 911 what's your emergency mcdonald's ran out of chicken yeah okay that is not an emergency you need to call the non-emergency line it is an emergency i already paid i'm hungry i'm in line they ran out of chicken it's like okay people are dying <laughs> I have to hang up on you now. People are dying. People are actually dying. Kim, people are dying. <laughs> um, so an immediate consequence of the Robertson panel is that the Air Force issued Regulation 200-2, ordering Air Force base officers to publicly discuss UFO incidents only if they were judged to have been solved and to classify all the other unsolved cases to keep them out of the public eye. It's fine. Um, so after Rupelt left, um, they had, after he left, they had some turnover of people, like, and, hold on, I'm, I'm getting ahead of myself. Hmm. So 
General, General Nathan Twining, who, as you may remember, started Project Sign in 1947, was now Air Force Chief of Staff. And then in 1954, he was uh, further codified the responsibilities um, for the Air Force for that uh, subgroup that was like investigating the UFOs. In addition, uh, UFOs were defined as any airborne object which... Uh, by performance, aerodynamic characteristics or unusual features does not conform to any presently known aircraft or missile type or which cannot be positively identified as a familiar object, which is kind of good. But at the same time, if you have new and emerging technology coming out from the military and you don't tell civilians, hey, we're testing this secret because you're trying to get ahead of exactly. the Soviets. Like the U-2s and the ox carts and things like, like that. Like, you're going to have Joe Schmo Farmer looking up going, uh, what uh-huh. is that? Well, that's, do you remember in 2014 the CIA tweeted and they were like, do you remember all those unexplained flying phenomena in the 1950s? That was us. <laughs> God. I... Every time I think of the CIA, I just think about the fact that, like, when they first started, from what I, I learned in my politics classes, is how goddamn, like, a mess they were, and they got a lot of shit wrong before they started getting stuff right. I thought you were going to say that what you think of is what I told you, because my one of my professors used to work for the CIA and was pretty damn high up in the agency before they retired and uh said like halloween is like a huge fucking thing at the cia like everyone goes all (laughs) out and like decorates their offices and shit and they have like animatronics involved and i was just like i fucking love that (laughs) i yeah i always think of like the beginnings of the cia and like learning how much they like messed up before they got it right Mm -hmm. like it was a very trial and error process and i was like that the stuff you guys deal with feels like it shouldn't be trial and error it feels like you should be getting some of it right like a good chunk of it right (laughs) but you know yeah uh anyways so all the work they did from now on for Project Blue Book was done secretly. The public face of Blue Book continued to be the official Air Force investigation of UFOs, but the reality is that it had been essentially reduced to doing a very, very few uh, serious investigations and became basically a public relations outfit with a debunking mandate. Um. By the end of 1956, the number of cases listed as unsolved had dipped to barely 0.04% from 20 to 30% only a few years earlier, (laughs) which is a big difference. Um, So he, Rupert was like disgusted. He was over it because obviously that was not how he had like designed it. And so he left in 19, August of 1953 after he left, Captain Hardin took over. So he took over in March 1954 and was appointed head of Project Blue Book. Um, however, that squadron that I told you about in the U.S. Air Force is the one that did most of the investigations. And he was like, yeah, I don't care. Um, Rupelt wrote that Hardin thinks that anyone who's even interested in UFOs is crazy. They bore him. So he just like took this title just to like paycheck you know like loser um 
1955, the Air Force decided the goal of Blue Book should not to be investigating UFO reports, but to minimize the number of unidentified UFO reports. So by late 1956, the number of unidentified sightings had dropped from 20 to 25 percent of the Rupelt era to less than one percent, which, you know, I would also say is probably about the same time that you're getting the comics and stuff that come out of like men in black and stuff like Mm -hmm. that. Like this is the mid to late fifties. So this is like when we're getting comics like between that and like the sixties, this is when we're seeing kind of like the idea of that. I mean, it won't be until much later in the seventies when John Keel writes the Mothman prophecies that you're going to get like a full thing about men in black. Um, So then uh, after captain Harden, he took over, so after Captain Hardin left, uh, Gregory, George T. Gregory, Captain George T. Gregory, took over in 1956. So Clark writes that Gregory led Blue Book in an even firmer anti-UFO direction than the apathetic Hardin. Uh, that division of the Air Force was dissolved, and the 166th Air, Air Intelligence Service Squadron was charged with UFO. UFO investigations. In fact, there was actually little to no investigation of UFO reports, and Gregory's tenor emphasized that the unexplained UFO reports must be reduced to a minimum. So one way he reduced the number of unexplained info <laughs> UFOs was by simple reclassification. Possible cases yeah. became probable cases, right. and probable cases became were upgraded to certainties. By this logic, a possible comet became a probable comet, mm-hmm. and a probable comet was flatly declared to have been a misidentified comet. Right. And it's like when they were like, um, like, well, I saw this thing that kind of looked like a balloon, and they're like, oh, because it, it was a balloon. It didn't look like it. It, it looked like a balloon. It right. was a balloon. So... uh. Yeah, so then they had Major Friend uh, be appointed to Project Blue Book in 1958. He made some attempts to reverse the direction Blue Book had taken since 1954, um, but his efforts to upgrade the files and catalog sightings, according to various observed statistics, were frustrating by a lack of funding and assistance. Mm. So, heartened by Friend's efforts, Heineck organized the first of several meetings between Blue Book staffers and um, his personnel in 1959, Hynek suggested that some older UFO reports should be reevaluated with the ostensible aim of moving them from unknown to identified. Hynek's plan came to not, like nothing happened. So they were like, yeah, we don't have funding for that. So we're just, you know, it just is what it is at this point. So they, uh, <laughs> they moved from one... Uh, so they went from one like Air Force like subdivision analyzing it to another air to another one, um, and this was the Air Research and Development Center. Nor the Office of Information uh, wanted it, so they tried to shop this around to different divisions in the Air Force, and they're like, "Yeah, no, thank you. We're good. We don't want this." Um, but then in 1960, there was a congressional hearing regarding UFOs. Civilian UFO Research Group (NICAP) had publicly publicly charged Blue Book with covering up UFO evidence and it also had acquired a few allies within Congress. Goldwater. (coughs) Uh, Blue Book was investigated by the Congress and the CIA with critics, most notably civilian UFO group 
CAP, asserting that Blue Book was lacking as a scientific study. In response, um, the Air Force added personnel and increased Blue Book's budget. This seemed to mollify some of Blue Book's critics, but it was only temporary. A few years later, the criticism became even bigger. So uh, by the time he was transferred to Blue Book in 63, Friend thought that Blue Book was effectively useless and ought to be dissolved, even if it caused outright amongst the public. You also have to remember, 63 was kind of a big year for... Uh, a lot of shit happened yeah. in 63. <laughs> yeah, but, you know, this was also the same year, like, the moon landing and yeah. all that stuff. So, like, this was a big deal because, like, we had NASA actually working on going to outer space. So they're like, we don't want to have outer space come to us. Mm-hmm. We just want to go to outer space. We don't want to colonize the moon. It's fine. We're going to put an American flag on it. Totally fine. It's not fake at all. You. Actually, I don't think it's fake at all, but I know there's people that do. They think Stanley Kubrick directed it, I guess. If Stanley Kubrick directed it, there would have been a lot more misogyny involved. Probably. <laughs> and probably like a... A good uh, score, though. Yeah. Probably a lot more like um, the impending threat of violence involved in like staking... Well, you know, maybe he did. We didn't ask the moon for consent before we stabbed her with, like, a fucking flag. God. I don't know. Um, so then uh, Major Hector Quintanella, who... Quintanilla. Uh, he, so I mentioned him in last, uh, in last week's episode where he was the uh, Air Force officer investigating the two Portage County police officers who chased a UFO from Portage County to Pennsylvania. So, yeah, that guy who was like, nah, you didn't see anything. He took over Project Blue Book uh, in August 1963. He largely continued the debunking efforts, and it was under his direction that Blue Book received some of its sharpest criticism. Uh, UFO Researcher Jerome Clark goes as far to write that by this time, Blue Book had lost all of its credibility. I don't, I feel like it lost all of its credibility once Rupelt left, but that's mm. just me. Um, so a lot of people said he was not competent at leading from a scientific or investigative perspective. And uh, they're like, well, he's technically in charge, so he's not actually accountable for like the whole project as a like, you know, because there's people investigating underneath him. But he was chosen for his position by superior officer and was just following orders. So they were like, he's just essentially a figurehead. Um Blue Book's explanation of UFO reports were not universe of UFO reports were not universally accepted. And some scientists suggested that Project Blue Books performed questionable research or worse, was perpetuating cover-up. Um, you also have to remember this is this is mid-1960s. This is at kind of the height of we're seeing like the hippies and like flower power and uh, we're starting to see like Vietnam and stuff like that. So people were not playing around with like their government. They're like, no, you need to like we need to question what you do and stuff like that. Right. Um, so <laughs> anyways, um, they, 
most of this is like they took a lot of the reports and they dumbed them down or they like discredited them. So they made people or they're like, no, that's not fair. Um, another, the one thing that they, uh, critics seized upon was the Portage County UFO chase. Like I talked about. Right. Um, I didn't realize that that was, um, like Ravenna. I'm there all the time. That cracks me up. Are you there at 5 a.m.? I will be soon. <laughs> uh, well, you never know. They might be making rounds. I mean, this was springtime, so some of the people around there might be aliens. Uh, so this was April seventeenth, nineteen sixty-six. Um, and as I as I explained in the last episode, uh, the two police officers. Uh, spotted what they described as a disc-shaped silvery object with bright light emanating from its underside about a thousand feet in altitude. And they followed the object, which they reported descending as low as 50 feet in the air. Um, And they followed it all the way to Freedom, Pennsylvania, 85 miles away. And that chase made national news. Um, But he said that the police... um, we're chasing a communication satellite and then the planet Venus. Which, come on, man. You had other jurisdictions involved. It wasn't just two dudes. Like, you had multiple police officers watching this thing. Right. I also wonder, too, if that was, like, because um, there's, like, the the one, um, there's, like, a guy from a planetarium and, like, I don't know. He was, like, a higher up in, in there and they... He poked a hole in like them being like, oh, well, you, it's Jupiter or like Beetlejuice. And he's just like, no, it's not because that's on the complete opposite side of like the world this time of year. Like you cannot see them from this location. So I'm just like, oh, did they just like get a, a an astronomer to be like, hey, what can you see right now? Yeah, you're just chasing Orion's belt. <laughs> Uh, by 1968, Hynek received a letter um, from the Foreign Technology Division, and Hynek at that point had publicly accused Blue Book of shoddy science. And then um, they asked they asked uh, Hynek to offer advice on how Blue Book could Im- improve its scientific method. Hynek was then later declared that uh, this letter was the first time in my 20-year association with the Air Force as a scientific consultant that I had been officially asked for criticism and advice regarding the UFO problem. So his response was, in 1968, neither of the two missions of Blue Book determining if UFOs are a threat to national security and using scientific data gathered by the Blue Book are being adequately executed. The staff of the Blue Book, both in numbers and scientific training, is grossly inadequate. (laughs) Blue Book suffers... In that it is a closed system, there's virtually no scientific scientific dialogue between the blue book and outside scientific world. That's fair. So he's like, all right, you have five guys who have, like, no training outside of, like, their basic military training monitoring the situation. They're not consulting with any other scientific entity. Yeah, pretty much. I mean, he's just going for it, right? The statistical methods employed by Blue Book are nothing less than a travesty. Ooh, that's... 
saucy. And you're bad at math. Uh, and there's been a lack of attention to significant UFO cases and too much time spent on routine cases and on the peripheral public relations tasks. Concentration should be on two or three potentially si- significant and scientific cases per month instead of being spread thin over 40 to 70 cases per month. Hmm. <laughs> well, we know what that's like. Yep. Doing too much with not enough people. Yep. Uh, the information input to Blue Book is grossly inadequate. An impossible load is placed on Blue Book by the almost consistent failure of UFO officers at local Air Force bases to transmit adequate information. Hey, uh, Steve out in Oklahoma City didn't submit his reports on time, so we don't have any info about that case anymore. And Steve's like, I'm doing the job of 10 people. <laughs> also, I didn't see it. <laughs> Also, my boss keeps telling me to shut up, and then I don't know what I'm talking about. Uh, The basic attitude and approach within Blue Book is illogical and unscientific. Fair. And uh, inadequate use has been made of the project scientific consultant of me, Heineck himself. Only cases that project monitor seems worthwhile are brought to my attention. Um, My scope of operation has been consistently thwarted, and... I often learn of interesting cases only a month or two after the receipt of the report at Blue Book. So, so essentially, he's being he's iced like, out of the yeah, good cases. Yeah, so he's like, so this project manager, manager is the one who controls the flow of info to me. So, like, even though there's probably something worthwhile for me to look at and consult on, they're giving me, like, these three bullshit cases. That they're like, yeah, 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 here, this, this one. This one that's obviously, like, a reflection from a plane. Talk about that one. He's like, you already know what it is, man. Let me see the ones that you don't know what they are. So nothing changed after he, of course, nothing changed after he wrote this. And then uh, he, the director at the time states that he personally believed it was arrogant to think human beings were the only intelligent life in the universe. Yet while he found it highly likely that intelligent life existed beyond Earth, he had no hard evidence of any extraterrestrial visitation. All right. That sounds like to me, like, I didn't get invited to the alien rave in the middle of the desert, and I'm sorry about it. Yeah, a little bit. So they had another congressional hearing in 1966, um, and essentially, they in the uh, in the hearing, they had first stated that the sightings were a result of a training exercise happening in the area. Uh, This was after they saw a string of UFO sightings in Massachusetts and New Hampshire. Um, But the NICAP, um, which is the National Investigations Committee on Aerial Phenomena, reported that there was no record of a plane flying at the time the sightings occurred. So uh, Hynek was also there, and he suggested in an unedited statement that a civilian panel of physical and social scientists be formed for the express purpose of determining whether a major problem really exists in regards to UFOs. He remarked that he has not seen any evidence to confirm extraterrestrials, nor do I know any competent scientist who has or who believes that any kind of extraterrestrial intelligence is involved. So, I I gotta take what Hynek says with a grain of salt also, because, like, He's mad that the science is bad at Project Blue Book, which that's fair. Like, as somebody that, like, did major in science, like, I respect that because I would be mad, too. Because I'm like, you can't search for the truth being out there if you're not scientifically doing it correctly. 
There's a method to the madness. Mm. Um, but then, so there was a lot of criticism of Project Blue Book. They essentially shut it down at Wright Pat, and they turned around and um, and the NICAP's membership ballooned to about fifteen thousand. And they charged the U.S. government with a cover-up of UFO evidence. So they're like, well, we can't have that. So then after the congressional hearings, there was a Condon committee who was established in 1966 as supposed to be a neutral scientific research body. However, it became kind of controversial with some members charging... Uh, Edward uh, Condon with bias and the critics would then question the validity and scientific rigor of this report. Um, But they, after this report came out, they suggested that nothing was happening with these UFOs. And it left a minority of cases unexplained again, but the report argued that further research would not be likely to yield anything significant. So they were essentially just this was the U.S.'s government's way of putting the kibosh on NICAP's, like, outcry, but doing it in a really half-assed shitty way where people are like, I know you're, I know that's bullshit. I just mm-hmm. can't explain why. Yeah. So after those conclusions happened, they closed down Project Blue Book because funding just can't be justified on either the grounds of security or in the interest of science. What interest in science? You got rid of that like 10 years ago. Um, so <laughs> they uh, the last publicly acknowledged day of Blue Book operations was December 19th, 1969, but they said the actual last day of Blue Book Blue Book activity was extended for January 30th, 1970. Um, apparently, Air, Air Force officials wanted to keep the Air Force's reaction to the UFO problem from overlapping into a fourth decade and thus altered the date of Blue Book's closure in official files. That's so stupid. Um, I, saw, I saw that they... The, the next note on that is that they sent it to... Maxwell Air Force Base in Alabama. They're like, I'll take the take our records. You keep it there. Um, it's accessible, so no one can say that we're hiding them. Accessible, but who the fuck wants to go there in Alabama? <laughs> no one's gonna roll up. So after they did that, they came to these conclusions: no UFO was reported, investigated, and evaluated by the Air Force has ever given any indication to a threat of our national security fair uh there has been no evidence submitted or discovered by the air force that sightings categorized as unidentified represented technological developments or principles beyond the range of present day scientific knowledge there has been no evidence indicating that the sightings categorized as unidentified are extraterrestrial vehicles so yeah they after they declassified it they ended it they then moved it to the Modern Military Branch National Archives and Records Service, and it is available for public review and analysis. And there have been people since then that have gone to the National Archives to, like, look at this. After that, they did have post-Blue Book uh, UFO activities. Um, The Advanced Aerospace Threat Identification Program. They told us about that in 2017. And they have declassified things since then. Um, But 
it's just but they've also done it and as i was saying in like the previous episode um they've done it in a way where even if they've declassified this stuff they made the military made the pr which i guess good on them and a brilliant pr move they made it so debunked in a way that like if you are a credible scientist and you are like you are finding these things and you're like this is true like this is fact like i've seen this and like it doesn't make sense they make you out to be like some sort of like crackpot yeah. like like no no they're full of it no like aliens come on i just yeah and then we we <laughs> got on the topic of um the space force <laughs> Right, right. It's and so much like, so so much so that we like when that came out, that like everybody laughed about it. We're like, what a joke. Like we literally have a whole sitcom based on that. I mean, to be fair, <laughs> their official standpoint of why they exist is to organize, train, and equip personnel in order to protect U.S. and allied interests in space and to provide space capabilities to the joint forces. So, like, you know, in case the Navy ever needs someone to go to space, thank God we've got the Space Force. <laughs> Have you ever looked at the Space Force website? No. <laughs> oh. It oh. kills me. They refer to themselves as guardians. We're looking for guardians. Guardians defend our country and freedom to operate in space, keeping it secure uh, and accessible for military space power and new waves of innovation. Guardians of the galaxy? What a bunch of assholes. <laughs> the galaxy? Why do I care what happens there? Oh, because I'm one of the idiots who lives there. <laughs> so... Um, one of the things I found, which was really interesting, because they do have a lot of stuff declassified. This was on the FBI website, which is why, like, it looks wild. It looks straight off a typewriter. And this is like a back and forth letter of uh, stuff. And I just wanted to read a part of it to you because I thought you would get a kick out of it. Um, there's obviously there's parts that are just say, complete is there blacked like redacted, out. blacked out shit in there. Um, but they started apparently in like the 80s, late 80s, uh, the new Project Blue Book. And um, this was lit written to Mr. Sessions. And it actually does talk about Barry Goldwater. <laughs> <I wanted to laughs> like, so, okay, so I'll go, I'll start from just kind of the middle. So it goes, uh, Dear Mr. Sessions, talking about this letter, blah, 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 blah. Again, the new Project Blue Book is a civilian continuation of the original project blue book which did close in 1969 here 20 years later some of the same original blue book pentagon and other persons are still looking for the real answer to the ufo phenomenon that is the reason too i gave you the information i did about j edgar hoover president carter senator barry goldwater etc i was hoping to go deeper into the intelligence gathering agencies which received some of the better ufo reports which never went to project blue book 
I've been to the National Archives and I've looked at some of the original Blue Book materials that are there. I met with the persons at NASA's headquarters in Washington following the receipt of the request from President Carter. I met with President Carter's Chief of Scientific Advisors personnel at the new executive offices of uh, some of its former personnel, etc. So I know the whole scheme of things pertaining to UFOs, except for the Hidden Intelligence Gathering Agency participation with regard to the better UFO sighting reports, which are, to this date, real hard unknowns. <laughs> so they're basically like, hey, I've done all my research. What else can you tell me? And then they go on to send another letter. They, like, apparently talk to Mi Mr. Sessions, uh, who was the director of the U.S. Department of Justice uh, for the FBI, you know, William Sessions, of course. I'm snitching. They won't let me read the cool <laughs> stuff. And, uh, <laughs> okay, so uh, I, so this is, so his second letter says, in any event, the U.S. government has played important roles in the evaluation of UFO reported sightings. The new Project Blue Book is a continuation. Okay, so he's like explaining about pro his new Project Blue Book, and you're like, okay, we know that. Um, well, Director of the FBI, Mr. J. Edgar Hoover, whose personnel reported some of the sightings themselves and who were otherwise brought into some of the cases, repeatedly asked the Air Force for complete information about the UFOs to no avail. They, the Air Force, would not release certain case reports to Mr. Hoover. Even with the present FOI, most, mostly sanitized version copies are received with the information completely blocked out. Are we surprised? No. While chairman of the Senate Committee of Science, Senator Barry Goldwater asked for the information and was told that he was not on a need-to-know basis. <laughs> uh, this request of Goldwater had to do with an initial announcement from the Air Force that a saucer had crashed and that alien bodies were, at the point in time, located in a hangar or other building at Wright-Patterson Air Force Base at Dayton, Ohio. Senator Goldwater was refused any information in this matter, along with not being allowed to personally look inside the alleged building. Before taking office as president, Jimmy Carter announced to the public that if elected, he would give the American people the government's information about UFOs. This did not happen, and Mr. Carter was given a complete runaround. And I could tell you more about this because I was contacted by the Pentagon on that matter. I'm like, whoa. Uh, I... <laughs> I just love. I have this like mental image now of like, like Goldwater at like Wright Pat. Like, hey buddy, you gonna let me see inside that hangar eighteen? The guy's like, no, and don't fucking talk to me about it anymore. I fucking hate you, Barry. Shut up. He's like, all right, I'll totally go back to my car. I'm gonna get in and like run and like try to get in the door and like climb the windows to look. And they're like grabbing him and yank. All right, all right, I'm fine. All right, all right, I'm not gonna look. Okay then I'm just going to read all about it. And they're like, absolutely not. And then you're like, all right, cool. I'll just leave after I jump across your desk and grab those papers. Like, this is the mental image I have of this guy now. Like he would be played by like fucking Will Ferrell in a movie or something. So this is impressive. Uh, the new Project Blue Book has 148 present and or former Air Force, NASA, and intelligent gathering agency personnel, among others, acting as advisor consultants to the uh, Project Blue Book anonymously. Uh, 
These are persons who, for the most part, have or had actively engaged in earlier UFO reports for their respective agencies and are still muchly interested. Every time I get out, they pull me back in. <laughs> uh, so, <laughs> so with this brief background of information about me and about the government participation, the challenge I have mentioned would be to have to make inquiries at the highest levels of officialdom about what the government really knows, whether or not there are alien bodies located anywhere, which is in all caps, uh, <laughs> what happened at the crashed flying saucers, where are the photos taken by the Air Force personnel through the onboard gun cameras, I didn't even know those existed, and to get a general runaround, and I could not, oh, hold on, and similar questioning. I am positive that you would find even you would be getting a general runaround and could not receive satisfactory answers to all the information you should be receiving and should be very evident to you after making several inquiries. You may tend to drop the matter thinking that you are receiving answers to your questions, but this will not be the case, I assure you. Um, <laughs> so he goes on to kind of wrap it up and... I this I love the PS. I, lo I love that ending of that letter too, where it's like, well, TLDR. I would just really like to know about the alien stuff, but if you can't tell me, I guess that's fine. Hope you had a nice visit with your dad. <laughs> yep. Uh, but he does a PS is as a sort of ultimate challenge. Why not ask President Bush himself? Why not? <laughs> Did you try just asking someone nicely? Um. So Sessions wrote back to him, uh, and I, I I don't know. I assume it's a him. I don't know who wrote this because they have it all blacked out. <laughs> oh, God. I don't even want to say what just popped in my head. <laughs> uh, so it says, I have received your July 24th letter in which you ask for my help in securing information relative to the investigations of the... I unidentified flying object sightings. I have discussed your request with my colleagues and I would first like to explain that the investigation of UFOs is not now, nor has it ever been the responsibility of the FBI. Damn. I mean, that's kind of true. It was more the CIA. Uh, the Department of the Air Force conducted investigations and studies of UFO reports from 1947 to 1969. On December 17, 1969, the Secretary of the Air Force denounced the termination of Project Blue Book and the Air Force has furnished all documents regarding its investigation of UFOs to the Modern Military Branch National Archives and Records Administration uh, in Washington, D.C., uh, I understand this data is available for public review and analysis. You may wish to make an inquiry with the modern military branch for the answers to some of your questions. Of Also of possible interest, the National Aeronautics and Space Administration was asked by President Carter to look into the possibility of resuming UFO investigations in 1977. After studying all the facts available, it decided that nothing would be gained by further investigation, and the Department of the Air Force agreed with that decision. You may also want to check with the National Aeronautics and Space Administration in connection to your research. I am not aware of any federal agency tasked with the responsibility of investigating UFOs and hope this information will be of help to you and your organization. I love it. That whole freaking letter was like, Pepe Silva in the mailroom connecting the threads. This is this, this. Did you pursue this method of finding out the information? Maybe you just have to ask. You're not asking the right people or the right questions. And then the response was like, Ma'am, this is a Wendy's. <laughs> yes, it was very like, <laughs> it was just, 
like, man, you know, you're getting some good info from like the first half of the letters where you're just like, yeah, I want to know about Barry Goldwater. And then you're just like, oh, um, I also think it's interesting. Like, I'm just thinking about so uh, something that I don't talk about a lot, but I definitely did was I was a congressional intern for like a month and I can speak from like that experience that like congress people when they're getting this stuff like in this like they're getting everything third to fourth hand like you as like an intern are taught how to write kind of policy memos so you're given this information so if you're getting a phone call from a concerned citizen about something you get this information from them and then um you investigate this information because you as a congressional intern have kind of access to these channels of like like information so like when I worked as a congressional intern like I was looking a lot into like the GI bill for people because they're like how does that work I would like to get free education and it's not something that is like it should be easily accessible but it's like not for some reason for some people like it's not easy information to find and colleges are very convoluted because you know it, you they get don't into want for free. you to go for free they want you to pay for it so you're getting like this information and then you're going you're an intern you're not even getting paid for this you go then to the actual five or six staff people they have to confirm that this is correct and then you draft a letter and it has to be absolutely correct like if there are any grammatical errors whatsoever it gets destroyed and you have to retype it um it's at that point finally after it's been through like five people to make sure everything's correct and like the lawyer to make sure everything's legal beagle that it then goes to the actual congressperson to sign off on and be like yep that's the official statement here is uh hope everything's great blah 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 and that's the same thing with policy memos. So, like, the staffers are the ones getting this information. And, like, if you're a shitty staffer or if you have your – you have to, like, put your own personal beliefs aside. So if you're working – like, hopefully you're working for a congressperson or a senator that has your, like, same political beliefs and stuff. But I, all I kept thinking when I was reading through this information is, so for these congresspeople – like they're getting this information third or fourth hand. They're going to the military. The military's giving them the runaround because they can. And there's no way to prove that because the information they get, they have to hope that their sources are correct and that the policy memo they were given, which, you know, when I say a policy memo, it's not it's not usually pages and pages. The laws they have to look at are pages and pages. The policy memos they look at are two pages yeah. at most. And it's a lot of bullet points. So you're reading through it in like five minutes tops. And then you have to make decisions based on those policy memos. So all I keep thinking is, holy shit. <laughs> it's just, there's no checks and balances to this. <laughs> And then I'm like, and then on top of that, you have these people that are legitimate, like what be would be considered legitimate and like reliable witnesses who are being completely discredited because that's not the story that the US military wants to share. Yep. Yep. So 
I don't got a good way to like it's just it's disheartening it's very disheartening and I think it's interesting that we again at Wright Patterson in Dayton like we had this like very huge air, <laughs> air force base and we're like yeah this is a great place to do uh studies about it so I'm like man hangar 18 building 18 it's not just hosting like Roswell stuff. It's hosting a whole slew of stuff that they were investigating that they don't want people to know about. Mm -hmm. That's me projecting. I could be wrong. <laughs> I don't think I am. I, I feel pretty confident in that. Yeah, there's probably stuff that we don't know about. That Oh, for sure. For sure. I, I'm sorry. I just don't believe it's all weather balloons. <laughs> no. Well, even the last thing that they're like, oh, it's weather balloons. They're like, oh, just kidding. It was a spy. It was a spy guy. Uh, anyway, hope something happens tomorrow in the news. Sure would be a shame if you got distracted from this. Okay, bye. <laughs> right. Like, I mean, all that stuff came out most recently, like, I think in the middle of a very heavy news cycle. Oh, yeah. Like, 100%. So, and that was like the joke on all the social media things is like, Huh. Inflation's terrible. This is happening. This is ha uh, was it the when wildfires were happening? I think so. Maybe. Like I mean, honestly, the last like 3 years is like when this came out. So we had a global pandemic. We had horrible wildfires that were like oh, killing koalas. So this one is from October of 2023 mm -hmm. and I'm like I don't think but like we had, in Ohio, we had all those horrible wildfires that well, we the had smoke, a, a train derailment. We had wildfire smoke. We had um, terrible flooding in California. We had uh, like October of 2023, a, a like a second new war was breaking out in the yeah, Middle East. Yeah. Um, we're st we were still also like dealing with like the repercussions of a war between well a conflict I guess between Ukraine and Russia like all of these huge world events are happening one after another and it is just like you're inundated with information and they're like and we'll just slip this in aliens are real we have proof okay back to the horrible news tomorrow and that's like everybody was like joking about yeah. that. They were just like, "Yeah, world's ending." It's like, we, okay, like that's not even surprising at this point. Yeah, like, are the aliens gonna buy me groceries? Right. With this, the price of eggs at six dollars. Sure would be a shame if an alien time lord war criminal with two hearts came and took me away from my student loans. <laughs> I. Yeah, so this is not to say Project Blue Book didn't end the U.S.'s, uh, the U.S. government or the U.S. military's involvement in studying UFOs. It just, what it signified was the end of public acknowledgement of, like, UFOs. And so if you think about that, like, it ended in 1969. We have the 70s. We have all of the civil rights stuff happening. You have Reagan. Like, by the time the 90s happened, when, you know, we grew up in an, a time when, like, aliens were kind of in very much heavy in pop culture. Mm -hmm. Like, we had Independence Day come out. We had, uh, 
Mars, Men in Black, Mars Attacks, Mars Attacks uh, uh, Lost in Space, Lost in Space. So we had Where's all the Casper Van Dien one. Oh, uh, Starship Troopers. Yeah. So we had this huge kind of military like involvement, but it was like on their terms. Like everything's on their terms. And then we had, you know, in pop culture, like thinking about like the little, like just on clothes and stuff like that, or like toys for kids. Like you had the little gray aliens with the big bulbous heads and stuff mm-hmm. like that and green aliens and stuff like that. And yeah, like essentially it was really easy to ride that off. And then you had the X-Files, which, you know, you had that. And then and then you had Roswell. And you had Roswell. And before that, you had Twin Peaks, which, mm-hmm. like, I would say, you know, when people are like, what, what TV show started it all? I'm like, man, Miami Vice and Twin Peaks started it all. Like, you wanted high-quality cinematic adventures while you're watching TV? Uh, look no further. But you had all of that. And suddenly, you know, like, I remember a lot of books and stuff being out, like, for kids about UFOs and crop circles, which I was like, and I'm thinking about that. And I'm like, no one talks about crop circles now. Was that just a 90s thing? Did we only see those? When did when did signs come out? That was the 2000s. That's true. But like, I just feel like those aren't talked about now. I'm like, do we not get to aliens just go? Yeah, we're not landing anymore. We're tired of like well, the farming industry has also taken a hit so (laughs) maybe there's just not a lot of crops to land in they're like uh you you guys are a little too flooded in montana we we can't land here or like the farmers are just like outside with fucking like bazookas like you're not fucking landing in my corn do you know how much (laughs) money i'm gonna lose if you bust this shit up get out of here so you know we really did see in the public view like aliens were a joke at this point like they're in pop culture but they're like completely works of fiction so it does not surprise me now with how just disillusioned with everything everybody is that they slipped it in and nobody's like batting an eye they're like yeah well again doesn't pay my grocery bill so i feel like we also have had like eight other things that people are very like tinfoil hat about now so like it's not so like, whoa, this guy believes aliens are real. Now it's more like, whoa, she thinks a vaccine made a key magnetized to her skin. Yikes. That's true. It's like That's it's true. like a new it has shifted. Like it's a new batch of people who are like, The truth is out there, you're not looking in the right place. It's true. It's true. The earth is flat. So yeah, that's that's the story of Project Blue Book. It's uh, a bit of a doozy. Um, there are, you know, as I said, it's been referenced in pop culture and stuff like that. There are definitely books written about it. So if you guys want to research further about like things that maybe they witnessed and stuff like that, you can. Um, yeah, there's quite a few other um, podcasts who have like multi-part episodes that go really deep into project blue book as well there's a tv show (laughs) yeah and as i said the tv show uh, pulls no punches like it it's like nah aliens are real and the government covered it up uh there's also like in pop culture like right around the same time project blue book came out american horror story did that i think it was maybe it was a year after it was like pretty close though 
Um, American Horror Story did that two-parter uh, season. Oh, yeah. And then they had, so the first part of it was like Vampire vampires. People. I and didn't then, watch the second half. Well, the second half was Aliens. Okay. Um, I did not like that season as much as I liked the vampire one, but it it did like it in two parts where it was like flashbacks to like Roswell and like Project Blue Book era and everything was filmed in black and white. Yeah. That was really cool. And the, the guy they had playing like uh the president at the time um sounded like john cena and it was really <laughs> throwing me off and i was like wait am i attracted to this man why am i attracted because his voice is nice but why is his voice nice oh god he kind of sounds like john cena to me why is this happening um and then they like they go between that and like the present day and that part's not as good and i was just like i like a hundred percent would have just watched this black and white thing with aliens. I did not need the flash forward with it. I don't like it. Got it. Um, you know, Ryan Murphy, Ryan Murphy did it. Yeah, of what course. else is new? So, yeah, we, but yeah, we. I, I feel like we've dived a lot into it. We I, sure did. I tired of talking about it now. Okay. Uh <laughs> Well, then I'll talk about something else as we're wrapping this up for today because we haven't done one of these in a long time, but we do have a, a book club book. Oh, yeah, we do. Coming up the the end of March, we're going to discuss another book. We're going to discuss Kin, K-I-N, by, I say Kaylin Patrick Burke. It might be Keelan. I don't know if I say it that way because I think of an Irish pronunciation of it, Kaylin Patrick Burke, but... uh. Yeah, well, that's the book we're going to read. So if you want to read it before we talk about it, you, if you start now, you got plenty of time to get through it. And it's available on Hoopla if you do ebooks. <laughs> that's true. Might um, be available on Libby in some areas. I don't know. I think it depends on it, your library system. Possibly. I think it's also, I think you can get it through Kindle or Audible if mm-hmm. you subscribe to either one of those. So it is available. Um, it's a lot. <laughs> the opening of it really messed me up. Do you want to so. give a prim a oh very basic overview of it? A super summary, sure. I'm gonna find the book like blurb a, version a of one it. One sentence, yeah, the book blurb. I just have to laugh because now that I'm over the hump of my sinus congestion, now I got the husky, and I was like, if people cannot tell the difference between. Uh, my voice and Britta's voice now, like <laughs> either they're real new, they're real new here, or they're just not paying attention. So, um, Kin, I'm gonna read you the Amazon blurb here. It is a shocking best-selling novel by Bram Stoker Award-winning author Keelan Patrick Burke. On a scorching hot summer day in Elkwood, Alabama, Claire Lambert staggers naked, wounded, and half-blind away from the scene of an atrocity. She is the sole survivor of a nightmare that claimed her friends, and even as she prays for rescue, the Killers, a family of cannibalistic lunatics, are closing in. Great. I'm so glad I agreed to this suggestion. (laughs) Sounds like a hashtag good times. So much fun. It can't be any worse than aliens and me talking about like military stuff for 
Yeah. There's hour. there are other perspectives. like there's other characters that have um their major characters in there and you get different perspectives of it. So uh it's yeah, it's a lot. I I have talked a different friend into reading it before based on my description of what I just read you. And um he also was just like holy shit, Brit, what did you make me read? And I was <laughs> like, it, it's like fucked up, right? And he's like, Yes, I'm not done yet. I'll talk to you when I finish it. <laughs> oh boy. So more more horror-y, in my opinion. <laughs> than the other horror books we've read so far i think we're just like slowly getting more graphic in nature as we go on i did finally read some of the ones we've suggested on our christmas list <laughs> and i was like yay yeah. i finished before next christmas silent night yes uh no secret santa secret santa, secret santa. yeah yeah, right. I put all those on hold at the beginning of December like a dummy dumb, and they all came available in January. And I was like, who am I to care about this right now? I don't need to be a seasonal reader. And so now I'm reading Christmas books in February. Well, it happens. <laughs> yeah. Uh, the one I'm reading right now, it's not a horror book, but it's not very Christmassy. So I'm like, could be Christmassy. It could oh. not be. That's the book okay. I'm reading right now is Paris Hilton's memoir that came out last year. <laughs> it's really good. I read Britney's memoir and then I read Paris's right after. And I think that's the way to do it because Brit mentions like Paris reaching out to her. And then you read Paris's and you're like, oh, I get why. If anybody was going to notice what you were going through, it's her. Yeah, I'm I'm reading a few at once, but I obviously I have kin checked out. I just haven't started it yet. That's my daytime book because I don't think I'll be able to handle yeah. it at night. I can't wait to revisit that audiobook on my drive every day. Just how I've been cranking them out right now. And I'm going to be like driving my hour and 15 minute commute and being like, ah, I can't turn it off. I can't turn it off. And just screaming again like I did during Gerald's game. God. All right. Well, thank you, dear, dear listeners, for joining us on a journey that was both wonderful and strange which is again Just my favorite line from remember to eat your Reese's pieces and um, the truth is out there that's right and uh, yeah thank you again to our spooky sponsor thank you spooky sponsor and yeah I hope you guys have a good I don't, I can't remember when we're going to be. Time is a construct. Yeah, it'll be spring by the time this airs, I'm sure. So I hope you guys are foraying into better weather. And uh, hopefully the groundhog is right. Uh, they're calling for an early spring. I would like that to be correct. Except my allergies have another plan for me. So we'll see I what happens. I saw a meme today before I came here. that was like the aliens looking at me skeptically. And the rodent is me. Clairvoyant, yes. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, you guys, I uh, hope you're having a good time. Again, the truth is out there. Um, 
government already said aliens exist, so it's up to you to see what kind of deep dive you God, can do on it. we're going to look really stupid if they release more information about it before this episode comes out. <laughs> I'm telling you, between this and then if people start storming Wright-Patterson Air Force Base, I'm going to be it's so... going to flag us. We're going to get swatted. I'm going to be <laughs> so mortified. Like, that's my legacy. <laughs> Beth and Britta started a whole wild riot. No, we didn't. We didn't tell you to do that. You no. made that decision on your own. Yeah. Don't. Yeah. But just... if you did and you see them, take pictures. <laughs> and on that note, uh, stay spooky, friends. Bye.